It has been a long and arduous process, but finally, the Orioles and the state have signed a lease to keep the Orioles in Baltimore at Oriole Park at Camden Yards for the next 30 years and potentially more. We'll break down everything that goes into this lease, what the O's should do with their new $600 million, and a little bit about the Orioles' latest trade coming up on this live episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, December 18th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are getting into everything that has to do with the Orioles' new lease. They have finally signed one. It took until December 18th. December 18th. It was going to expire on December 31st. That took way too much time. But we're going to talk about it finally because they have a deal. It is officially official. No take backsies. Monday, December 18th with 13 days to spare. There is a new lease. It was kind of leaked out late last week. Then Monday morning, it was approved by the Maryland Stadium Authority. And then the last people that had to do it, the Board of Public Works, the three-person committee, all said yes. And early on Monday evening, it was officially official. The Orioles have a new lease. Now, before I get into this episode and, and kind of talk about it, definitely wanted to shout out everybody who's done such a great job covering this entire lease negotiation. I mean, remember, the Orioles' initial lease at Camden Yards was up at the end of 2021. The negotiations for the new one started all the way back in 2018. And yet here we are. It took five years to get this thing fully together. So especially lately, Pamela Wood of the Baltimore Banner and Hayes Gardner of the Baltimore Sun, both of whom came on the podcast last week to talk about the current lease situation. Thank you so much for their coverage. Jeff Barker, Hannah Gaskill, Nathan Ruiz, and others at The Sun, Andy Koska at The Banner as well. Across the board, just a lot of great reporters have done a lot of great work on this lease story. But we're going to kind of do this episode, and I apologize if any kind of internet issues, any kind of stream issues, let me know in the chat if the stream's not looking great. Sorry, we started a few minutes late here. Sometimes when you have a dog, the dog is annoying and uh, you can't start things on time. However, wanted to kind of model this like an in-season episode. If you've been with us here on the Locked on Orioles podcast throughout the season, you know that you know the days after games, we get you the five things you need to know from the game the night before. Well, let me get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' brand new lease agreement. And the first thing you need to know is at its core, this is a 30-year lease extension. This starts on January 1st of 2024. The new lease begins. And 30 years, it ends on December 31st of 2053. That is a long, long time to be staying in the stadium, which is a very good thing. And it could be shorter than that, but more likely, it could be even longer than that. There are four built-in five-year extensions, four separate five-year extensions that can be hit as well. So if all of them are exercised, this would actually end up being a 50-year lease that would not run out until December 31st of 2073. That's not a real year, but that sounds good to me. Keep the O's right here and in Baltimore, and that's the first thing. Hey, looks like in general, most likely at least 30 more years at the ballpark. Second thing you need to know from the new lease deal the ground development rights, which have been a big point of contest in this entire situation, at least at this point, 
in the current style of the agreement are not included. Now, the ground development rights, that was the reported holdup a couple of weeks ago. If you remember two weeks back, there was a report in the Baltimore Sun that there was a tentative agreement for a lease. It just had to go through the proper proceedings like it eventually did here on Monday with the Stadium Authority and the Board of Public Works. However, Bill Ferguson, the Maryland Senate president, held things up and apparently other people agreed with him and said, we can't just be giving John Angelos and the Orioles this ground lease agreement along with the lease and giving it to them for as cheap as they were going to. In that tentative agreement, not only was there a lease on Camden Yards, there was also a lease for the surrounding areas of the ballpark that only would have cost $94 million over the next 99 years. And for land like that, right around a ballpark in a major city, that's that's nothing. I mean, Pamela Wood talked about it when she was on the show last week. That's basically nothing. And people brought up there were some issues there. And that ground lease is something John Angelos has actually talked about a lot when he did his uh, interesting interview with the New York Times earlier this year. Angelo's talked a lot about that ground lease, wanting to, you know, maybe put a school in, in the warehouse, and different things he wanted to do around the stadium and with the parking lots. That stuff is not included in the current lease. Now, the difference is it can be, but I think smartly, they've given themselves more time to negotiate what that's going to look like. So instead of just handing over John Angelo's the area around the stadium for 99 years for basically no money, not even knowing if, I mean, he's not going to be the owner for 99 years. You're just basically handing it to anyone for essentially nothing. They're going to give the Orioles and the state four more years during this lease to negotiate those ground rights. The two sides now have four years to negotiate the terms of those ground rights and the development rights around the stadium. And The things included are the warehouse, that Camden station that's right there in front, and then the area in between it, the parking lots in front of the warehouse, basically the area directly surrounding Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Third thing you need to know from this lease is those ground lease negotiations that we're talking about, they can certainly change things. Whatever happens in the next four years in those negotiations can really change how this lease works. So if the Orioles, they have four years, they have until December 31st, of 2027 to decide if the Orioles are also going to take over the warehouse, the Camden station, and develop things there. If they don't make an agreement with the state, if the state isn't happy with what the Orioles want by December 31st of 2027, the Orioles can actually chop down the lease. It's currently a 30-year lease. They can chop it down to only 15 years if they aren't satisfied with those negotiations. However, They could just adjust some of the terms as well and keep it a 30-year lease. Or they could be like, you know what? We didn't want the ground lease anyway, and they could just keep going. That's really a four years from now conversation. And if I'm still hosting this podcast four years from now, we will certainly be talking about that uh, in December of 2027. Fourth thing you need to know from this lease agreement is that this lease, this agreement, is mostly the same as the last one that the Orioles have been operating under since 1992 when the ballpark opened. Most of it is the same kind of thing. There is still, like there was in the last one, a no relocation clause, which basically means if John Angelos tries to move the Orioles out of Baltimore, he will basically lose a lot of money and he can be sued by the state for a whole lot of money if he tries to do that. There's also the Maryland Stadium Authority. They will continue to handle the upkeep of the ballpark. 
They will have the people coming in to make sure everything's looking good, everything's operating correctly. In the previous talks during these negotiations, the Orioles were actually kind of looking to have in-house control of all the upkeep of the ballpark. And most likely that would have turned out fine, but there's always that little voice in the back of your head that's like, the Maryland Stadium Authority is doing a good job right now with their people upkeeping the ballpark. If we hand it over to a group controlled by John Angelos, how confident are we that the ballpark will actually stay pristine? So it's a good thing that the Maryland Stadium Authority will continue to do that. The Orioles will continue to pay the MSA rent for the stadium as well. So that will continue just the same. And the fifth and for now, final thing you need to know about this new 30-year lease at Oriole Park at Camden Yards is that the Orioles now have a lot of money to spend on the stadium because they have officially agreed to this new lease because of the bill that was passed by Governor Larry Hogan when he was in office. It earmarked $600 million for the Orioles to use on stadium renovations and upgrades if they signed a long-term lease. They have now signed it, which means the state will release $600 million to the Orioles. Now, first of all, this is a lot of taxpayer money, which a lot of economists agree isn't generally the best thing for a city to be giving out the money like that, but it's already been earmarked and it's already headed their way. So hopefully they do good things with it. And the other thing is the Maryland Stadium Authority still has to have final approval on what John Angelos and the Orioles actually do with this $600 million. It's not like Angelos just got $600 million of our money and can now just run freely with it. It still has to be approved by the Maryland Stadium Authority. Now that money, it can really only be used on the stadium itself, but luckily there is some checks and balances there. So there is a lot here. I encourage you to read the reporting in the Baltimore Banner, to read the reporting in the Baltimore Sun. Great breakdowns even further into all of the information right here. And yeah, best thing you need to know is 30 more years, up to 50 more years, the Orioles are at Camden Yards, staying in Baltimore, and the state actually didn't give in to John Angelos too, too much, which is kind of a nice medium ground here for this agreement. But the big thing is, of course, they've now got $600 million to spend. How will they use it? How can they use it? Put your thoughts in the chat. How would you like to see the Orioles use that $600 million on the stadium? What upgrades would you like to see? I'll tell you my thoughts and then talk about some of yours as well coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. I'm sure many of you watched another awesome Ravens win on Sunday night in Jacksonville. They are rolling. They are scoring. They have clinched a playoff spot. And you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 just if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel. Official partner of the NFL. So we thank you for joining us for another live edition of the Locked On Orioles podcast here on a Monday night after the Orioles have finally agreed to a new 30-year lease to stay at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Again, that deadline was 13 days away. They took it right down to the wire, but the Orioles and the state have come to an agreement. Everything's been signed. 
They've crossed the T's. They've dotted the I's. It is done. It is happening. The Orioles are staying in Baltimore. We knew it was going to happen, but it was getting a little dicey here at the end. But they don't even need to do any short-term extensions or anything. The Orioles have their long-term lease before that December 31st deadline. Now, did John Angelos tell us he was going to get it done earlier and maybe by the All-Star break and promise us things throughout the year? Yes, he did. But at this point, we are here. And, of course, you know, you have Governor Westmore and you have all the members of the boards and you have people from the Orioles and people from the state all there. You know, they hold a press conference on Monday. And, of course, who doesn't show his face or really give a statement at all? That is, of course, John Angelos. I mean, what else do you expect from the guy at this point? But... With the Orioles now signing their long-term lease of 30 years, they have some money to work with. The Ravens, who signed their long-term lease back in January, already got their $600 million from the state, and they have already, actually last week, announced their plans for how they're going to upgrade things. Now the Orioles officially, as of today, will be getting $600 million to upgrade their stadium. So what can they spend it on, and what do they need? Connor, perfect spelling right there, Going to bring up this comment first. Better speakers and a bigger scoreboard, honestly. That is pretty much number one and two on my list. So a couple of Connors thinking alike right here. They desperately need number one. And this shouldn't be too, too expensive. I'm not really sure how much this costs for a ballpark. But a new sound system has to be like the number one thing they do. And quite honestly, that should be something that doesn't take like an insane amount of time. Now that they've got this money, you know, you've got opening day in late March. You've got three months here. You should get to work on that right now. And the first thing you do should be to improve the sound system. So, you know, it will be ready to go by opening day. In some parts of the ballpark, it is a disaster. It is a disaster. The sound system there. I also have on my list, the video board. Now that's not nearly as much of a disaster as the sound system is, but it's nicer to have a nice big video board. You can update the ads around it. I would keep like the clock at the top, but maybe you put something new where they took down the Baltimore Sun sign. I would upgrade there as well. We've got a, a couple of people here. Yeah, we got Ryan saying need a real scoreboard too. Yeah, we, we a scoreboard would definitely, um, I think, help this situation. Next, I would say in the concourse. This is a very small thing. Again, would barely cost much money at all. The TVs in the main level concourse, when you walk around, only like two-thirds of them work correctly. Some of them are out. Some of them have a big yellow line through them. There's really only a couple of nice ones. They're right by Utah Street in the concourse, right there by the Rita's and the Sausage Station and the Playground. There's the big one on the wall right by the Rita's, and then there's a couple of big nice ones by the Playground. Those are like the only nice TVs in the concourse where because the way the concourse is set up and the stadium set up, you can't like see into the ballpark when you're in that main level concourse. So you rely on the TVs when you're walking around to get food or do whatever. Those ones by the Rita's are the only ones that are like even watchable at some points unless you're like right up by them. They got to get bigger ones and better ones and make sure they all work. That won't be expensive at all. TVs aren't really that expensive these days. That should be super, super, super easy to do. Another thing they can do, I think, upgrading the club and suite area. Now, this is not my expertise. I can't tell you the last time I was even up there. That is not where I go for games. I went to 20 Orioles games this season. Not once did I enter the club or suite area this season. But I've been up there a few times, and I've heard from some other people, whether they work there or whether they attend games up there. And 
it's just kind of dated. Like, I'm sure it looked great in the 90s when it opened, but it hasn't really been upgraded a lot up there. And here's the thing. Not only do I think it would help to do that, this is probably realistically going to be the first thing that they do because as we've seen from other ballparks around baseball, whether they're building new ones or when they renovate existing ones, the first people they're always catering to are their biggest spenders and their richest fans who spend the most money at the ballparks. The people who are buying out the clubs and the suites, they're going to cater to them and I would think kind of upgrade everything inside of there. Also, I'm not sure how much this kind of goes into the $600 million, how much this is considered a stadium upgrade, but either way, they got to do something about the food. They got the new food vendor in 2023. It was a bad move. Whoever made that move, not a good move. The food got significantly worse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, and the price continues to go up. They got to do something there, so hopefully maybe you can include a new food vendor. That, that would be certainly nice uh, in 2024. Now, here's some bigger things, right? Those things are, are not like gigantic undertakings. I've seen a few people in the comments talk about this. Let's see. We've got a comment here from Alex. Knock out the part of the upper deck in left field and add some sort of rooftop section. And yeah, I, I, am, I don't know how I feel about that, but it feels like they're going that way, right? If you remember, for the last couple of years, the Orioles have been blocking out a lot of those upper deck sections in left field, like five or six sections up there they've just not sold tickets to. And they've cited, oh, we're understaffed, so if we close it, you know, it's, it's not like people are buying tickets there anyway. We're not selling out the stadium. We don't have to staff those areas. And they would only open them up for like the big games, the giveaway games, opening day, and then the playoffs as well. Those, those sections were full too. At this point, if they're already operating without those sections, and they've already got that Pepsi perch up there, kind of right in between the suite level and the upper deck level in left field, I have a feeling they might do like a large undertaking up there. And it might not be a 2024 thing, but I could see it being something they get to work on right after the 2024 season ends and have it ready for opening day in 2025 where they kind of take out those left field seats, like those four sections up in left field. They expand the the Pepsi perch. It's kind of more of an area up there with a covering, obviously, and maybe some inside area, some outside area where you can stand up there and watch the game. There's some activities to do for kids. There's probably some bars up there. There's more of a social gathering area. You could do things before and after games up there, but also have fans standing room only up in that area. I think that's probably the way they're going to go up in left field and I just think with them continuing to you know not sell tickets to those sections up there it just points more and more to them probably knocking that out as my guy Connor had another great comment here it might be crazy but a food area upper deck of left field yeah I, I think there might be like a a full area going on up there that uh, expands the current um Pepsi perch that is up in left field. Raven Lunatic here with a comment, improved child play area. Yeah, I could see that as well. They have the playground that I was mentioning. They have kind of those bobbleheads and the kids team store that's right by the Utah Street entrance. I could see them expanding that, maybe expanding the playground area into that more open area where the Chick-fil-A cow bobblehead and the Orioles uh, big giant Oriole bird bobblehead are. I could see them kind of expanding it into there for more activities for kids and maybe up top in left field they could have some some more kid activities as well. And then, you know, another thing here, and this is something that's been talked about for a while, and this is something that newer stadiums do. This would be like the largest undertaking of all. It would take the most time. Like you would have to get going as soon as the season ended and, and have it ready by opening day the next season is kind of reimagining what the main concourse 
looks like. And I would think definitely for the upper concourse, you need to add things to do in the upper concourse. A lot of newer stadiums that I've been to, there's just more things to do in the upper deck when you leave your seat when you go into the concourse. Right now, it's a few vendors and some concrete. Like, that's it. You got to make that look a little better up there. But I think in the main concourse, there is certainly more to do, and they'll probably add here and there. But a big undertaking would be kind of making it an open concourse, right? You see this at places like Nats Park, for example. That's, you know, right down the road. And when you are walking around Nats Park, in a lot of it, you can see the playing field at any point in the lower concourse. At Oriole Park, it's all the vendors and it's all the concrete, and you can really only sneak a peek through, like, the alleyways to get to your section. But it would be a large undertaking, but where you knocked out the walls, you put all the food vendors on mostly the other side, on the opposite side, and then it's all open. So as you're walking around to get food in the lower concourse, you can actually just turn and you can see into the stadium. You can see to the field. You can see what's going on as the game's going on. I think that's really huge for baseball stadiums to have, and I think that could be definitely um, a larger undertaking. And I think this is a good question from Thomas right here who asked, do all these improvements help get an all-star game soon? I think yes. I think it would certainly help. There's still something weird going on with the Orioles not getting another all-star game since they had it right after the ballpark opened in 1993. Multiple stadiums have gotten it twice since then, and the Orioles have not gotten it again. This would certainly help, you know, getting this lease locked down, spending this money, upgrading. It can only really help, um, this situation right here. And here's one that uh, I would put to the very top of the list right here from Wyatt. Maybe improve pay and benefits for the Orioles merch store employees. Absolutely. Not sure if you can use the $600 million for that because it's more of a payroll thing. And also the merch store is now overseen by f Fanatics, I believe, instead of the Orioles. So there's a different pay structure. But they were demonstrating a couple weeks ago, and as they should, because what they've talked about, they've had their hours cut, they've had their pay cut. Yeah, like, I don't know if that's where this money is allowed to come from, but wherever it does, they deserve more money for what they do for the Orioles and what they do in the team store. Parker with another good idea here. The Orioles need a team museum. Reds have one right outside the park, and it's a great showcase of the franchise's history. You know, they had that kind of like Babe Ruth Museum area there that's that's now closed down right outside the ballpark. I, I think a good idea would be to open that back up, make it an Orioles museum. You've got a spot right there. I think that's a really, really good idea as well. And you're rolling with the rock saying right here that transplanted from the Detroit area, Comerica Park also has that open lower main concourse as well. I think it just makes it a better viewing experience for the game when you have that open lower concourse because, hey, you can go out, get a hot dog, get a beer, get whatever you like. But you can also just turn and see the game instead of having to watch on these small TVs or hope that you're in, you know, sight line of a TV somewhere. You can just turn and watch the game. You're a little further away, but you can feel the sounds and the smells of the ballpark of the game itself. Hear the crack of the bat when you're in the concourse rather than rely on TV. And also remember when you're in the concourse and you're like in line to get a hot dog. And even if you're watching on the TV, the TV is delayed. You can hear the crowd celebrating or, you know, booing or whatever happens before it actually happens on the TV. It's kind of a, it ruins it a little bit. Like I'd much rather just be able to see in while I'm getting my food. It's, it's certainly a, a better experience um, at a lot of these ballparks as well. All-Star Sky with a question. Do you believe any of the outfield walls need to be adjusted? I think they've done their adjusting so far. Uh, I think they're happy with what they did in left field. I don't see them doing any more adjustments, at least uh, to now. And Ravens Lunatic 
um, with uh, a similar comment saying, take the left field wall back a bit between where it is and where it was. Yeah, I could see them moving it in a little bit. I just don't think they're going to do something like that quickly, right? They'll probably wait a while before they would try to move anything again. Matt with a question. Do you think they'll make a rooftop bar in right field or left field like the Rocky Stadium? Yeah, I could I could see this. I was talking about it a little earlier, kind of knocking out the, the four sections above the Pepsi perch in, in the upper deck and left field and turning that into a rooftop bar to kind of go along with the center field bar. And then in right field, they'll, they'll keep the flag cord and everything going on there. That's like that, that's kind of the, the best spot at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, right? Having the flag court there, there's really not a lot else like it. And that's answering Justin's question right here, which is, what are the greatest features of Camden Yards? I think the flag court's incredible. It's just a, a really cool way to, to watch a game, be out there, get a home run ball, socialize. You got the tables, you got the bar there, you got Boogs right outside, you got Utah Street. Utah Street's amazing. Uh, the warehouse with Utah Street being right by the, I mean, right there in the stadium is just super cool. And it's, it's, it's nothing else that you get. And Honestly, I think the big wall in left field is, is kind of cool, right? I think it makes the ballpark stand out even more. Um, it's, it's, it's seemingly helped the Orioles a little bit since they've done it as well. Um, so those are definitely some of my favorite features. And, uh, hey, you know, there's, there's talks of maybe selling the Hilton in center field. I don't think that would lead to it being knocked down, but you never know. And if it did, you get back a lot more of that beautiful Baltimore skyline as well as you uh, kind of sit behind home plate and just look into center field it is certainly a beautiful ballpark but I did promise do a little mailbag here at the end Q&A in the chat put your Orioles questions in the chat see we got a lot of them already and I will get to them here in just a second to finish off the pod so we got a lease 30 years bada bing bada boom Oriole stuff going on, though. I'll address the first thing, which is the O's made a trade today. I'll be talking about that tomorrow, so make sure to join me back here for another episode tomorrow. Jonathan Heasley is coming to the Orioles, a right-handed pitcher with the Kansas City Royals. Orioles sent over a kind of young Dominican Summer League prospect over to the Royals for Heasley. He's just kind of been an up-down pitcher, starter slash reliever in the big leagues for the last three years with the Royals. He's got some interesting stuff. It's a fastball changeup sweeper and curveball that he throws. Kind of was a, a good fastball changeup guy as a prospect with really good data on his slider. Been working at Tread this offseason to kind of refine his stuff. He's a guy who... He can take the next step. His numbers haven't been great. You know, the Royals are desperate for pitching, and he's still spent a good amount of time in AAA over the past few years because his stuff isn't amazing. But what I will say about Heasley, they basically gave up nothing to get him, right? He's got multiple years of control left. He's got options left, which is really good. A lot of the Orioles relievers right now are out of options, so they're not as flexible. It's really nice to have Heasley. You can send up and down freely between Norfolk and Baltimore. At the very worst, he's a nice depth guy who did make 21 starts, right, in 2022, so he can still be a starting pitcher, was a full-time reliever for the Royals in 2023, and, and spent a good chunk of the year in the big leagues, but he can still do both things. And at the very worst, he's depth and at the best they kind of fix something there and uh you know they can really find something to use with Jonathan Heasley but tomorrow's episode I'll uh, get much deeper into that Jonathan Heasley deal with the Kansas City Royals let's go through 
um, some of the questions here. Thomas has a question. What impact does the stadium deal and the recent decision to accept the Masson situation have on the Orioles signing or bringing in new players or signing current players? Really good question there from Thomas. Kind of a, a similar question uh, from Wyatt kind of at the beginning about, you know, that they settled the Masson squabble with the Nats too. Does Elias get more financial latitude? To give you some context on that, so... Remember earlier this year, there was the long dispute between the Orioles and the Nats about the Masson payouts, who gets what money. They finally, a judge decided that each team would get $99 million for the time between 2012 and 2016. Well, there was another ruling about the time from 2017 to 2021 about how much the teams would make, and this one was not challenged by either side. It was accepted and it went through. Each team is getting $304 million for the period of 2017 to 2021, that five-year span, that averages out to about $61 million per year to the Orioles from Masson in that span, where it was more like, on the last span, 20-ish million dollars for the period before. So you're talking three times the amount of money from Masson. So to answer your question, in theory, yes, it should be able to up the spending because you're hearing from these other teams like the Mariners and others who are complaining about how they're having issues with their regional sports networks, their TV deals are dying, they're not getting the money from their TV deals, and that's why they're not spending. So on the flip side, if the Orioles are now making even more money from their TV deals, shouldn't they be saying, oh, wow, we can spend even more? That's how it should happen. I'm sure John Angelos will try to lie and say, oh, that's not how it really happens. But yes, in theory and in the books, they have more money now to spend on free agents. And I'm telling you, with the payments going from $20 million a year to $60 million a year, don't you think for the next period, which would be 2022 through 2026, that they'll make even more than $61 million a year? I would have to think so. And so you can probably plan out to, uh, you know, Maybe spend a little more money on some players as well. Orioles fan with a comment here. Does confirming the lease mean Angelos can sell now? He could have sold earlier if he wanted to. I still think if there's any sale, it's going to be until after Peter Angelos passes away just because of things I'm not super educated on. But I do know that with the capital gains tax, they will uh, keep much more of the money. The Angelos family will if they sell after Peter dies. So I think that's really kind of the number one thing here in terms of of the sale running through the questions here again put your questions in the chat we will go for a few more minutes more about the team sale does signing players to longer than one to two year deals make it easier or harder to sell the team what does a proposed buyer look for when buying a franchise like the o's yes longer deals sometimes can make it a little harder because you have more money tied up you know when you're buying something you'd like to Buy something that doesn't have a lot of costs to it, and, and players on long-term deals usually have more costs. So in that theory, yes, it makes it a little harder. But it's not like the Orioles are giving out $40 million a year to players anyway. So even if they signed a guy to like a three-year, $45 million deal, that's not really going to make a billionaire or someone like David Rubenstein, who's worth almost $5 billion, really bat an eye about the payroll of the team. But what a proposed buyer is looking for when buying a franchise a team on the up, right? A team that's making money, the Orioles are. And a team with not a whole lot of expenses, the Orioles are in all of those spots. And someone who's winning. And, you know, you're also looking for the team where it's going to be fun to own them, I would think. The Orioles seem to check all of those boxes at this point. Isabel with a question, which would make more sense to you, a five-man or a six-man rotation? This question kind of comes in if the Orioles 
add another pitcher, whether it's a trade, whether it's a signing. I'm not I'm not putting Jonathan Heasley into their rotation right now. I will say at some point the Orioles will probably go to a six-man rotation. Remember, they did it late in the year in 2023. But I've gotten some other questions about, hey, you know, could they just start with a six-man rotation to kind of ease the pressure on Tyler Wells, right? Because he's really fallen in the second half for two straight years. Wouldn't it be better if he got more rest in the first half? Michael Elias talked about this last year when they were considering a six-man rotation coming out of spring training. It is really difficult to do a six-man rotation early in the year. The reason is when you have a six-man rotation, you usually have 13 pitchers on the roster. You have five starters and you have eight relievers. When you go to a six-man rotation, you have to go to seven relievers because you cannot have more than 13 pitchers per the MLB rules. Because you lose a reliever early in the season, you start to tire out those relievers because you have one less guy and they're pitching more. And over the year, relievers always wear out. There is data that shows that relievers get worse with every pitch they throw throughout the season. So if you're going with seven relievers instead of eight, you're making them worse earlier in the year. I think it really hurts you if you go with a six-man rotation early. So that I could see it at some point, just probably not early in the season. Going to get to a couple more questions here. As, uh, yeah, there was Isabel's question. Again, kind of put a little bit more about Tyler Wells in there. But, yeah, I just don't think um, the five-man rotation. Isabel with another one. Given Bradish, Rodriguez, Means, Wells, and Kramer as a starting five, how many more starters would you look for via trades? I'm still looking for one more because I think they need another top-of-the-rotation guy. And I don't think Tyler Wells can last an entire season as a starter. And I don't know how much I can trust Cole Irvin to be the fill-in for him. So I am still looking for at least one more starter for this team. Let's take a look at just a couple more questions here before we go. Justin asking, what are the Orioles offering for Dylan Cease? I don't know. What I do know is that their asking price from the Cincinnati Reds and the LA Dodgers has been very, very high so far. The Orioles are going to have to give up a lot. I don't think the asking price is just you know Jackson Holiday or bust anymore, but they're going to have to give up some serious players to go and get Dylan Cease. I think it would be a good move for the team. I think Dylan Cease would help them a lot, but they are going to have to pay up. Another question from Connor. Will we sign a multiple-year deal for a player? I'll say no. I think in free agency they get one starting pitcher to a one-year deal. I don't. At some point they got to do it, but this offseason – I'm not sure. All-Star Sky says, what is the most money you think we are willing to give out to a player? Per year, I would say $20 million. Knowing that they gave $13 million to Craig Kimbrell, I would say $20 million is probably like the top of what, at least at this point, they are willing to give out right now. Wyatt said, considerable internet chatter connecting the O's to Cease. Yeah, Bob Nightingale did write that the O's are one of the top suitors for Cease, but everyone has written that at this point. I haven't heard anything new to, to talk about that the Orioles are close to a deal with Cease, but what I can tell you is they are talking to the White Sox. The White Sox and the Orioles are talking about Dylan Cease, and I know the asking price is high. That's all I really know in terms of Dylan Cease right now. And let's see, Adit with a good question. What is it about Texas that Mike and Sig like so much that four out of the five guys they have added are from there this offseason? Tucker Davidson, Sam Hilliard, uh, Drew French, and Jonathan Heasley. Some of it's Astros stuff. Yeah, like the Drew French thing. Some of it's just, it happens, right? <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's just kind of random who you uh, end up with, especially guys on waivers and lower deals like the Jonathan Heasley stuff throughout the offseason. 
That'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. Thank you so much for following along with all of this lease stuff throughout the offseason. We'll probably talk about it a little more in the coming weeks as we get kind of the full lease, more details leak out about what exactly the Orioles can and can't do with this new agreement. But it's nice to say that, hey, the lease is signed. We know the Orioles are playing here for 30 plus years and we don't have to talk about it as much. What we do have to talk about is an Orioles trade. They traded for a starting pitcher. It could be a guy who doesn't throw a pitch for the Orioles next year. It's Jonathan Heasley. They get him from the Royals for a low-level prospect. We'll be back tomorrow evening to talk about that trade. But until then, I am Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.